Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Monday, the 12th day of May 2014, and today we are reading from the Big Book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 61, the second paragraph that begins, Our Actor is Self-Centered. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Anne-Marie, 12 Traditions, Julie R., and then Katie G., Sharon H., and Paula. Our share code for yesterday, Sunday, the 11th of May, is 6336. 6336. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Anne-Marie to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out, that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I will now ask Julie R. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no position, no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attractive rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks. Pass. Thank you, Julie. How a meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive leaders only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. And to share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone in order to have a quiet meeting everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted and today we are resuming our study of the big book we are in the chapter how it works we are on page 61 and we are on the second paragraph our actor is self-centered and i will ask katie g to please start reading for us good morning monica thanks for your service Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. Katie G, recovered for today from Compulsive Overeater, Boston. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. <clears throat> he is like the retired business walls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all locked up. Whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentment, and our, our self-pity. Privileged to be here, absent over by God's loving grace this morning and love this. So where are we, right? We're, um, we're looking at starting to take our third step, right, which is just a decision, and the decision is only a decision if I follow it with more action. And 
for me, um, my sponsor, as many people have suggested, is I read this in the eye, eye perspective. So let's do a little bit understanding. What are we talking about? So self-centered. I think only, do I think only of my needs and wants? Absolutely. Like I, I, before I did this work every day, like wasn't that the point? Like I need something. I, I need you to give it to me. I don't care who you are or what you're doing, but I'm going to plow through you to get it. Absolutely. Tired uh, businessman, lolling. What's lolling? It's <clears throat> lounging. He just businessman is lounging in the Florida sunshine in the winter saying, Ah, oh, this, you know, even though I am this, I'm a businessman, how sad this nation is. The minister who's sighing, even though the minister is somebody who is, you know, we're supposed to turn to, to help us with our sins in some religions, he's just sighing. It's so sad, you know, and then uh, politicians and reformers who sure all would be utopia. I love this because utopia, an imaginary place where all is perfect. How often would, did I have that false psychotic thinking if only, you know, the world was utopia? Like I searched for utopia. I don't want, you know, I want relief. I want to feel good all the time. I want everything to be perfect. The outlaw statecracker who thinks society has wronged him. So here this guy is robbing others. And he's like, well, society has wronged me. How often did I do that in the name of, you know what, my mommy and daddy got divorced when I was a little kid. They owe me this. Dad, I'm using your card. I'm going to go to the gas station. Food's on me, right? Like, you owe me. You left all this stuff because what am I concerned about? My, 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 pro, my, Self, my resentment, and my self-pity. And I'm going to protest, right? I'm going to say, no, guys, this isn't the case. I'm a people pleaser. Well, one of the big, best lessons I ever learned, that people pleasing was actually just a fancy nice way of me saying, I want to control you. I'm going to read your mind. I'm going to do what I think you want me to so that you give me what I want, right? And what I saw getting to this page, page 62, was that me living a life on me destroyed relationships. My best intimate relationship was with a married man who had kids. My friends, I didn't know how to be a friend. I didn't know how to make myself vulnerable. I was Katie 20 questions, asking people questions all the time because I needed to feel good. I needed you to make me feel better. With me, um, you know, I, I, was, I was barreling through careers. I had no business being in, um, and I just wanted more. I wanted something to fix me, and I wanted more. And here's the reality check for me. I came to this work in abstinence, and I was, like, brittle with resentment, and I was riddled with how the entire world, every time I saw someone, I was judging them. If people were snapping their, I would give them dirty looks trying to uh, get them to change their behavior. And i got to be honest, I still sometimes try and change people with my mind. But I can't, you know, and what was so amazing is that I was devastated. My sponsor said to me, um, the 12 steps are a way of life, a plan to turn your will over to God. But I had to understand the key behavior, selfishness, self-centeredness. That is the key of my disease. And today, thank you, God, having done this work and continued to do, continuing to do this work, I have the privilege of knowing what my lives are, knowing that the minute I start looking at other people, the minute I start thinking, you know what, my, I shouldn't be at this placement. I shouldn't, I, that person should be calling me back. I, I should be getting this. Since when? Like, how am I being of service today? How, how am I helping others? And not to sit there lolling in my car thinking, 
you know what? If people would only do exactly what I wanted to, I would be happy. Why? Because of the ABCs. I am a compulsive overeater. I cannot manage my own life. B, no human power. And C, God can and will if he is thought. And how do we speak? 4 through 9 and then 10 through 12. So if you're in pain, there is a reason, there is a solution. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. And would, it, would anyone like to share on this, talk, on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. This would be Paula. May I share? You sure may, Paula. Go ahead. And thank you. This would be Paula from um, New Hampshire. And thank you for giving me this time. You know, as it was being read and so beautifully uh, spoken of, I, I want to go to another place. And there is no such. This, and they use the word a false place. Utopia, the minister, and and again the, the all that that was the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine, mentioning all these Florida people. But you know we have an, another place that Utopia is mentioned, and this is in page 16. And it says, most of us feel we need look no further for Utopia. They were looking for a Utopia. Here it's found. We have it right here and now. And it says each day, my friend, simple talk in our kitchen multiplies in a widening circle of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So there the utopia. But I'm going to go on to the next page, the real utopia. But what this part, I love the safe cracker who thinks society has wronged us. How could a safe cracker think society has wronged us? How could I think society has wronged us? wronged me because it was all about me and even when I was locked up locking the key myself putting the key in the lock are not most of us concerned with ourselves our resentment or our self-pity honey hyperbole there was no exaggeration in my life as far as I was concerned it was in your life that self-pity I had more than enough for me but there was none left for you. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, we pass. Thank you. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Mr. Sally. Sally, go ahead. Thanks, Monica. Good morning. Good vision for you. It's Sally, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. I would just add here that um, as I look at this, um, the the overall landscape of this paragraph. It's interesting to me that they um, are sharing from this perspective of first you've got the retired guy who's lulling. He's lounging in Florida. So he's pretty passive um, and just thinking in his head about stuff. And then we move on to uh, the uh, in the winter sunshine and the winter complaining. And then you've got the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century. Also, another one who is just uh, lost in their thought about the state of whatever, mankind, what's going on. Again, it's like they're the lulling, the complaining, the sighing. It's all going on in their head. And what, I, what it says to me here, before I turn the page, is that there's just no action going on here. That they're, they're really caught up in their, their perspective. 
And then as this paragraph continues on to the next page, it tells us about the outlaw safecracker, who, again, he's also caught up in his own justification for what he's doing, um, his own motivation for what he's willing to do. And he's in his own head also um, thinking about, you know, why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and so I, what I hear here from these different perspectives, whether it's the, the rich guy laying on a beach in, in Florida or the, or the minister who's sighing over the sins of the world or the, the criminal who's in, lost in his thoughts um, and uh, who has wronged him. And over and over what I'm seeing here is how, you know, we can be in our own, we can do our own justifying, we can do our own thinking on on what's going on around us. Ultimately, though, this paragraph brings us down to whatever our protestations are, whatever our complaints are, whatever our perspective is, and and most likely, you know, a, a selfish perspective. Are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity? And that's what we're seeing here when we see these different people lulling, sighing, and the outlaw safe cracker justifying his thinking. I just want to end with this. The meaning of the word uh, egocentric is pretty um, clear. It's, you know, it's just about me, 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 my focus on me, my eyes on me. And the egocentric, um, limited in attitude or interest in others, in our, and, but only in our own affairs and our own needs. And um, that's just really, I think what I'm looking at here in this particular paragraph is um, they're giving us a few different perspectives of other people and how they're caught up in their own thinking, their own motivations, their own justifications, and um, leading us into a very important paragraph on selfishness and self-centeredness that I, share, that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else to share before we move on? Hi, this is Jennifer. I'd like to share. Go ahead. Jenica, did you say? Yes. Go yes, ahead. I'm, um, I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. And um, I just think this paragraph is so powerful. And what I, um, so I, it tells us about all these people who are sort of in inaction, not doing anything but just sighing at the state of the world and, and, you know, saying, oh, if only everything was perfect, then I would be, um, then I could be happy. And um, and I feel like, and then there's me, where, like, in my disease, I um, am trying to, I'm like the one who's uh, listening to the people who are unhappy with the state of the world and saying, okay, okay, I'm going to clean it up. I'll do something about it. Um, and uh, it's like this, but it's not a, a healthy way. It's not a peaceful life. It's like, um, you know, oh, you know that? Okay, I'll change. I'll change that. I'll I'll try and change these impossible things that I don't have any control over. People, places, things, the state of the planet, the, um, you know, the actions of other people, and um, I can make the world a better place, but it all is based what are my directions from my power. And um, instead of being in this place of anxiety about the state of other people, about the state of the world, of course, it's never about the state of, of myself. It's, it's never tuned into 
my actual needs. Um, <laughs> instead of instead of doing that, I can um, ask my higher power, you know, to direct me each day, and um, and let my higher power take care of the problems of the world. And you know what? Like I actually, the, the there is a use for the problems of the world in my life. They teach me forgiveness. They teach me how to let go and let God and focus on myself. So um, probably if I lived in a utopia, I wouldn't think it was a utopia, honestly. <laughs> it, um, and today I feel grateful for my life as it is, and I have a, I have a wonderful life. And yes, it does have problems, and I have to do a daily um surrender of my life and and the world and and that is great i love all of that so um so that's what i have to say thanks i pass thanks jenica and let's move on to the next paragraph and sharon h could you read for us please thank you uh this is sharon a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater in colorado Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Uh, wow. Yeah, this paragraph just my name written all over it, and I just think it's interesting that selfishness, self-centeredness, and then there's a big explanation point after just those two words. And selfishness for me is always, uh, I'm not getting what I want, and you're supposed to, uh, you know, meet all my needs, all my expectations, and, um, you know, you must do that. And self-centeredness, uh, to me, that is rooted in my pride, and pride is just being preoccupied with myself, seeing myself as more important than God and those around me. And so, you know, that fuels that that self-centeredness uh, because I'm trying something I am not. Um, and then, so that's the root of my trouble. And then, of course, that activates all these other um, defects of character, fear, um, I'm going to lose what I have, I'm not going to get what I want, self-delusion, you know, if, if only the rest of the world be the way I want it to be, it would be utopia, yeah, I used to say that. Self-seeking, that's my way of trying to get and influence others thinking I have that kind of power, that uh, I can get them to do what I want, I just have to um, figure out how to do that. And so I always uh, always tried the gracious way first, you know, over-suggest, over-advise, try to help them see the light, and uh, even though I couldn't manage my own life, and tell them, well, you know, they're doing what I want, so woe is me, and uh, if, if, you know, if only the world would behave the way I see it should, then, you know, everything would be great. So I didn't realize that with all of these defects of character, I was always stepping on the toes of my fellows, and they would retaliate, just like I would retaliate, too, when, when I was on the other side of that. But I just didn't see it that way. And um, so as a result of working through these steps and uh, having to answer those four basic questions that are in the fourth column, 
where am I being selfish? Where am I being self-seeking? Where am I being dishonest? And where am I being fearful? That's when I begin to see the truth. Um, God's grace shines that flashlight into my mind and helps me to see the reality of what I, I have been doing and that um, I can't master those defects any more than I can quit picking up that first bite, first drink. So that's where I need God uh, to do for me what I can't do for myself. And then I must follow these basic 12 steps in order to allow God to change and renew this seemingly hopeless state of my mind and my body that always went back to the food. And so I am so grateful for this paragraph and that I can uh, see it today in a light that I certainly had not seen for a while because I'm one of those that had struggled a lot of years with the food, um, a lot of years with the food. And I did always go back then, you know, because I wasn't seeing the truth and was trying to live and build a foundation on a lie, I always went back to the food. So I'm so grateful that this book just points it out so clearly um, what the cause is, what the problem is, and uh, then as we go through this book, we begin to see there's this amazing solution rooted in um, a spiritual way of life. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Sharon. And would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Bella. Bella? Clara. I think I heard Kim, Larry, Bella. Was there another? Tara. Sarah. Sarah and Tara? Okay. We'll start with Kim and then Larry. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Z, Recovered Compulsive Overeater for South Jersey. And we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of it now. We're getting down to the real reason that we are compulsive overeaters. So it says here, driven, driven, hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. You know, I have, I have two dogs, and one of them is a Jack Russell mix. And I'll tell you, if there is a squirrel in my backyard, you would understand what driven meant. I mean, she can be sitting there happy, joyous, free, just hanging out in the backyard, and once there's a squirrel in her vision, that's the only thing that exists. And she will run around, and she will jump against the fence, and jump against the tree, because the whole focus is squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. You know, and that was me. I was driven. I was held. I could not focus on anything except for self. And now there's a hundred forms of it. And what I would do is I would play whack-a-mole. And I would say, okay, well, I have family of origin issues, and I'm going to try to beat that down. Or I have boundary issues, and I'm going to beat that down. Or I have fear of success, or fear of failure. Or I'm passive-aggressive. Or I have abandonment issues, and I would play whack-a-mole, and I would try to bring them down. And what I recognized when I came into this, this third step, which is recognizing that I am the problem, self is the problem, and I'm driven by a hundred forms of self, I realized that I was going to have to get rid of self. And the only way that is possible is with God's help. And if I want to try to use my brain to try to play whack-a-mole with all those things, I'm going to go to bed exhausted every day with a hundred forms of fear. Maybe I was able to deal with three or four of them, but the other ones were stalking me. 
So I thought food was my problem. I thought weight was my problem. The food is down. I'm losing weight. I'm in step three. I'm starting to, the hour is not being triggered, and yet I am tortured by the thoughts in my mind. That obsession of the mind is getting louder and louder, and I'm beginning to feel the truism of my alcoholism. And the truism of my alcoholism is I am insane. Self, I'm going to read it one more time, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Larry, you're next, and Bella, you're up after Larry. Good morning. Uh, Larry, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Thanks, Monica, for your service. So, um, yeah, selfishness, self-centeredness, that way to the root of our trouble. Um, you know, and I, it, it took some time to learn. I could not become, move towards a, a God-centered existence from this, you know, the self-centered existence simply because I wanted it to be so. Um, it, it, you would, I had to have help. I had to have God's help. I mean, a self-centered person like me it was someone who was, who was excessively concerned with myself, you know, my needs, you know, consistently engrossed in self, feeling that the world would be a better place if everyone would just, you know, think the way that I thought, you know, do what I do. And, and that left no room for caring about your needs. So it was a narcissism, you know, a self-importance, preoccupation with with myself and of course when you have that you know there can't be a whole lot of um, room left for having empathy for for others and that was my problem and I thought you know like Kim said I thought my problem was food I thought it was the bakery box I thought it was the cellophane bag Um, but that that wasn't to be the case it was it was me all the time and and you know step three requires an affirmative action in other words it's it's only through action in the form of accepting the invitation to take steps four through nine that our self, self-will can be uh, like surgically removed. And for me, you know, this had to occur, this, this surgical removal it had to occur. Otherwise, I would continue to remain blocked off from my higher power, you know, from that, you know, infiltrating my heart the way my higher power has today. So, you know, simply having knowledge and belief of a higher power was, was not enough to bring about the wholesale change that, that was necessary to become fully recovered. And, and, and you know, so faith, you know, was, you know was, was certainly necessary, but faith by itself would, would avail me nothing. Faith without work is, is dead. You know, I, I came in here with some form of faith, like many people, Yet I kept God at bay. I completely was disconnected through my self-centeredness from the power source that would, would, would eventually transform my, my life. So, you know, without step three, we'll, you know, I, I would never work the remaining steps. I mean, at best, I would drift out sea, you know, holding on to that tiny piece of driftwood, um, eventually being swallowed up by this, you know, the turbulent sea. You know, my self-centeredness was propped up by, by, you know, like it talks, fear, delusion. I mean, whatever the forms, it it will hold me prisoner. And I'll never be able to be both prisoner and savior, you know, the person that saves me or the entity that saves me. Those roles are incompatible. 
I had to turn my will and my life over the care of God and my understanding through willingness. Willingness was the key, not through rationalization, not through compromise, deal-making. I tried to do all that stuff. And yet, the beauty of it is my experience is even the smallest sliver, the tiniest sliver of willingness, the tiniest seed can, can mushroom, can take root and grow into something beautiful. And that's what happened to me. You know, we're about to be relieved of the bondage itself, you know, the enslavement of ego. And so today, I'll just wrap up and say, I'm dominated by God-centered consciousness as a result of accepting this invitation. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And Bella, you're up, and then it'll be Sarah. Bella, go ahead. Good morning. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, I love this paragraph. And, you know, thank you, God, that now I am in the program and I can see very clear and understand what this paragraph tells me. The root of our problems. Definitely the root of my problem, the selfishness, the me, me, me. Before um, I was busy, how much can I get? And not how much can I get, how much I am not getting. How much I am not getting. Whatever I had, it wasn't enough. Because all the time I was busy thinking, Oh, that person didn't think about me. That person didn't feel me. That person didn't understand me. Everything was me. How much I am not getting. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now that I am in the program, I am thinking the opposite. How much can I get? Because nothing is in my power. Nothing is my will. I am here as a messenger only. How much can I give over the message that God wants me to give? Before the program, whatever I got, I was miserable. I felt miserable. I was angry, in pain, disappointed because I was a people pleaser. I didn't trust, I didn't believe in myself that I can give something. I just was looking for the approval of my existence. And always I came to the same point, to the same point, to the same feeling. Self-pity. Self-pity. And exactly what we say in the, in the paragraph before. If only. If only that, pe- that person would understand me better. If only have different friends, if only. And now, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am no more in the self-center. I am thinking the opposite. How can I give to the community? How can I give to, 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 to serve God better? What is my, my mission today? Because today I am not dreaming of my self-ego. Today I am dreaming of God's power. Yes, I am am powerless. I am powerless. I have only one power to do the best choice 
one day at a time. And today I am choosing to give over the message of God and not my message. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Sarah, you're up and then it'll be Tara. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W., and I am from Iowa, and a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I was thinking to myself, the first paragraph, I know to myself, um, you know, I led a double life. Um, I was an actor. You know, many people didn't know I was married because I was so busy talking to them about their stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I it's almost like I, um, a false facade. You know, I couldn't be who I really was. Um, and I was always um, pointing fingers at other people about how they behaved and, and what they were doing and, and, um, and judging and, and intolerant and, and defensive myself. Um, and when we're talking about this paragraph, I can see that um, this is an uncomfortable place in the book for us to really start looking at ourselves. You know, at first it's talking about how, you know, we don't have, you know, we're powerless and we, we don't know what to do with the fact that we can't control this addiction that we have. And then we're talking about you know, finding a power greater than ourselves, but now we're starting to get, you know, not only do we have to turn our will and our life over, but we're going to have to start really looking at our behaviors. And, I, and it's just setting us completely for the fourth step. I mean, this is all, this is all like a little intro to, to what it is, you know, that we, you know, we were always judging other people and, and feeling like, you know, they were hurting us and, and no one was there for us. But in the end, it, it was us and our decisions that, that placed us in this position to be hurt. And, you know, the thing that that comes into my mind with all that is, although it is uncomfortable and painful to change, it is the only way that I am going to get relief from my misery. Uh, and, And it really comes back to what the chapter says it is. This is how it works. It doesn't work by just one, two, three, and I'm done. It works by all the steps. And I have to look at these, you know, my fear, my self-seeking, my selfishness, and my resentment to get to the place where I can have freedom from those things. And, I, you know, it doesn't stop at four because I don't know about you guys that are recovered, but I still have stuff that comes up. Deep inside of me, I still have those issues that come up that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And, you know, the last thing I'd like to share is, you know, yesterday was Mother's Day, bittersweet for me. You know, my mother yesterday was gone for four months. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I had a relationship with her. And the program gave me that. But I was able to really be able to say I was a decent person with my mother. Believe me, I wasn't for many, many years. I had stolen from my parents. I had been, you know, extremely respectful to my parents. I had... Um, you know, basically been oppositional all my life and the program gave me the ability to start to really grow up. And this, all this stuff to me is about me being like a little two or three year old that wants my way, that I want to do it my way, that I see it my way. 
and I'm like a steamroller going through there. You're going to do it my way or else, you, you know, I don't want any part of you or I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you because you hurt me. And I don't have to live like that anymore today. You know, I can, I can love people no matter where they're at, take care of myself and find love for myself and accept that I am human but that I want to be the best person I can be, the person that my higher power wants me to be. And with God's help, that can happen. But I have to be willing to do certain things to get there. And that's really working all the steps. And so I'm grateful today for this meeting and for all of you that helped me stay recovered. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. And Tara, you're up. Thank you, Monica. And thank everyone who's spoken today. Um, it's really great to be on this meeting. I'm so glad that it's that it exists and I was able to <clears throat> somehow get be guided and channeled to this moment, you know, to this perfect moment of now. Um, that hasn't always been the case that I could be grateful for the moment because I was consumed with a thousand um, thoughts of myself and fears of um, what's going to happen to me and you did to me and what you might not give me. Everything that everyone has said on this, you know, on this paragraph has just been like rocking my world and and just jogging jogging so many um, memories of of my past and how I've behaved um, since I was, God knows if I was just a baby when I first started thinking of me, when I became aware of me, and it was absolutely, completely, my, you know, consuming. And how could I think of you? Even if I thought of you, you know, I was still thinking of me. I was still thinking of how can I make you like me? How can I keep you from, you know, from um, having having bad thoughts about me? And so I judged you. I judged. I was watching you like a hawk, like like my my cat watches the the birds and the dog watches the squirrels. You know, it was like, well, how can how can I find out more information about you so that I'll be able to, you know, set myself up in a safer position to be to be um, happy and out of somehow pain because everything was about um, making myself more comfortable and getting pain. Um, I wanted to, so funny did I step on your toes because I wasn't really aware of you and what you're going through. I actually, like, stepped on you and most of the time probably kicked you away so that I could get to my goals of happiness and uh, having more, just, you know, my food or or some, some place, some thing, some state of mind that was determined, you know, that I would have it all. And yet, on the other hand, I was constantly terrified that I wouldn't have it all, that I wouldn't have anything, that I would be absolutely, you know, just just a piece of 
junk, you know, thrown thrown to the side of the road. I didn't have any any idea of my own self worth that because I didn't believe in you know in in uh, life and God and everything. I just thought about I was like the Florida um, businessman in the sunshine. Even if I, when I was in the sunshine, that's what I did. I just thought about how awful everything was, and and how betrayed I was, and you know, just pitying myself, sitting on my pity pot. So I was just going to to use, you know, use the the situation at hand in some way to helped try to drag myself up by my bootstraps because I had no power. But um, little by little, I uh, have come to a new place where I have actually seen how other people were able to to be so happy. And, and if they were wrong or, or they made a mistake, they just never even, you know, it seemed to faze them. It didn't seem to consume them. They weren't like totally beating themselves into a pulp about how, you know, how bad they were. And they just seemed to smile and move on. And I was like, what do they have that I don't have that I I can never appreciate myself or forgive myself? Um, And now I know what it was. It was that they weren't consumed with me. Anyways, um, with that, I'll pass because I think my battery's down and then my time is up. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Tara. And my name is Monica, and I am a compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater. And I don't know about you all, but when I first read this with my sponsor, selfishness, self-centeredness, exclamation point, that we think is the root of our troubles. What in the world are you talking about? driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows? What are you talking about? <laughs> this, I didn't like, I wasn't too sure that I liked the sound of this paragraph and what they were, what was being implied here. Wow, now this sounds kind of scary. But you know what? I was scared. I was miserable. I was in pain. Pain brought me here. Pain brought me to reading this with my sponsor. And I wanted what I saw. And there's someone with an unmuted phone. Can you please mute? We're getting a lot of background noises. And... um, and And when I read this, you know, I was like, I don't know about this. But you know what? We don't know what we don't know, and we can't see what we can't see. I came into here with distorted lenses, and I did not see the things correctly. And and to top it off, I didn't even know that my lenses were distorted. But I knew that I was in pain, and I knew I wanted something different. And so I was brought to this, and I was told, if you want what we have, you work these steps. So this was all part of getting me here to step three, this information here that's being given to me, to help me make that decision. 
that I am powerless over all of this and I need a power that's greater than me, that I want a relationship with that power. That's the decision with step three. And and that the decision is that to get all that, I have to work the steps. I have to work the rest of the steps. And then I will be able to see what they're talking about here. I will be able to see that, yes, I have been very selfish. It was all about Monica. Me, me, me. Fear, oh my God. I was full of fears. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that I had all this self-seeking stuff inside me. Yeah. Anyway, if you want what we have, do what we did. And with that, I'll pass. And would else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Leah. Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Monica, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, recovered compulsive overeater. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we root of our troubles. You know, when I think about the word root, you know, and I think about perhaps weeds growing in a yard, you know, you can you can constantly, you know, yank out the weeds, but if you don't get out the root, if you don't get at the part that's underground, the source, the origin of the weed, uh, the weeds will keep sprouting up. That was true for me. You know, seeing the results of a life lived in disease, meaning that, uh, you know, I was having trouble with personal relationships and I couldn't control my emotional nature and I was, you know, a prey to misery and depression. Um, and I kept attending to those quote unquote weeds of my life. But because the root wasn't being pulled, there was no real, um, long lasting result. You know, th- those, Results out of disease thinking, out of twisted thinking, kept um, being born because the root wasn't being uh, taken care of. That self-centeredness had contributed to my failure at life. I had created a whole universe centered around me and what I expected out of life. Well, I was that because I was my own God. Therefore, I really had no other God. And my life was miserable because I saw the world only through those lenses. It was like uh, that self-centeredness was like a poison. And it frustrated my every effort to a comfortable and a happy existence. And it created a chain reaction, just like it says here. Sometimes it us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we had made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. I was being crushed by a self-imposed crisis, <laughs> my own thinking, my own behavior. You know, it may look like I had everybody else's uh, interest at heart um, if, if everybody could just do as I wished. You know, but really, um, the big book helped me to see that I was operating from a self-centered perspective. I was manipulating to get my own way. You know, it, it might have looked generous from the surface, but actually none of it came out of love. None of it came out of love. It all came out of self-centeredness. You know, sometimes I would act like a martyr, or sometimes I would act like a bulldozer, but the bottom line is it was all rooted in me, myself, and I. Thank God for these steps where we have an opportunity to plumb the depths of disturbances and impediments 
and take a look at those core belief systems of mine that had deteriorated and altered my personality. And the way we get an opportunity to do that is the process of the 12 steps, specifically steps four through nine, where we get an opportunity to destroy that ego at depth and have an opportunity to live uh, and be rooted in love rather, rather than self. Thank you very much, I pass. Thank you, Leah. And we're getting towards the end here. Would anyone else like to share? I guess we'll just stay on this paragraph. We've just only got a few more minutes. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph? Hannah. Hannah. Go ahead, Hannah. This is Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Denver. And there's a little bit of snow on the ground today. Thank you for the meeting. You know, I think about um, how does this apply practically? What does this mean when today I'm going to talk to someone who sideswiped my car and is denying it? Um, and and what it means is not that I say, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. I'll just let it go. But that I can go with the attitude that, oh, okay, so I'm just going to go and ask for what's right and and leave it at that. You know, I'm not going to rant and rave. I'm not going to be... Um, it, it, it's, it's about perspective and adding to me to say, no, I didn't put myself in this position to be hurt. Uh, but it happened anyway. But I don't have to let it consume me. And, and that's the shift. You know, and tying this back to the second step when we say, well, what is insanity? The insanity is letting something like this consume me, being driven by fear, you know, oh, no, the car is going to be destroyed. Oh, no, you know, they're going to, I don't know what. <laughs> um, pity, why should this happen to me? You know, my car, I need it to last me. And, and just having... Uh, a, a grown-up, sensible attitude of, oh, okay, so stuff like this happens, and I go and ask someone to be accountable, and I'm accountable for how I handle it. And that's the, this is the process of being restored to sanity in here. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. And we have come to the end of our time this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Paula, could you read for us from a vision for you, please? This is Paula, recovered compulsive reader, gladly and happily. I will read, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer is hum if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. Great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. I bless you and keep you until then.